This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to The Real Reel, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. But, you know, we were, we were very much still kind of working out the kinks for the first time. And then all of a sudden it was a moving target and, and everything was changing overnight. So Mm -hmm. it was definitely a, you know, a lot of things I think on, on this journey of being a founder are just kind of trial by fire. And like, you know, you build the wings on your way down once you've made the jump. But, uh, the last year, especially that was the case. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. As always, I am so thrilled to be here. I love sitting down on the mic with you. I feel like it's one of my favorite times of the week. It's just honestly so relaxing for me. It's currently 10 p.m. as I'm recording this, and I'm just so happy to be here. I have some amazing guests lined up for you in the coming weeks, and I cannot wait to hear your thoughts and see how they resonate with you. And this week is no different. I actually have on Kaylin Marcotte. She's the CEO. CEO and founder of Jiggy Puzzles. And she is just such an inspiration and also just such an incredible woman. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode because I know that you're going to love it. And I wanted to fill you in a little bit more about what I've been up to and my life. And this week I am on the mic coming from Charlotte, North Carolina. So I came back home because my brother is actually graduating high school, which is super weird that he's that old because he's the baby in the family and he's already graduating high school, which is just crazy. I just remember my high school. I I feel like it was not that long ago. Like I vividly remember my graduation. I still have pictures from my graduation on my phone. My contact photo for my mom is like our picture from graduation. Like I, I, I don't think that it's that long ago. And I actually graduated high school in 2014. So it has been seven years, which is just insane because it definitely does not feel like seven years. I just, I can't believe that from the time I graduated high school, it's like the same amount of time that I was in middle school and high school you know, like middle school and high school, seven years total. And that's how long it's been since I've been out of high school, which is just crazy. And then same with college. I mean, I've graduated three years ago and it just feels like yesterday. I feel old guys. (laughs) 25 just hits different. Trust me. I feel like now at 25, I feel much more confident in myself. And I love saying that I'm 25 because I feel like, oh, you know, 25 is such like a mature age. But then I'm also like, I don't know what I'm doing. 25 sounds so old. I remember thinking when I was younger, I was like, I'm going to be a mom by 25. And now I'm like, oh my goodness, I could not imagine. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just remember that when I was young. It's funny how like, as you get older, the age that you are, you realize that like no one has their life together. But when you were younger, it was like, oh my God, at 25, like those people are full on adults. They have their life together. They've lived life. And here I am like 
mm, nope. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that's that's the beauty of it, though. I feel like you're always going to feel that way. Like, I feel like I'm going to feel that way at like 50 years old, you know, just in a different circumstance. But I'll probably feel that way, too, then. So it's just it's just a part of life. But yeah, I cannot believe my brother's graduating high school. He's going actually to NC State, which I'm so happy about because that is where I went to school. And I love NC State. I think it's such a great school. And I think it has such a great education and I don't know, I feel like I am going to tell him to take advantage of all the opportunities that I did not take advantage of when I was there, like getting into involved in clubs, being way more into entrepreneurship and like the entrepreneurship school there, like the entrepreneurship, I guess, clinics there that they offer because I feel like that's something that is so invaluable when you're in college and we take it for granted because it's like it's free or like, I guess, included in your tuition, but it's free for college students to use all those resources. And I just, I literally never used any of them. So that is why I'm here in North Carolina, long story short. And I feel old. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> I mean, I went out a few nights ago with my friend and we went out and we got a few drinks. And the next morning I just had the worst headache ever. And I was like, I didn't used to get these headaches a few years ago what's going on and it was just the worst headache and and now I'm like what the heck I, I I don't understand but that's 25 for you but anyways I did want to kind of tell you guys my highs and lows of this week I love doing that I feel like it's such a fun little segment and it really allows me to reflect back on my week and hopefully you guys can also reflect back on your week while we're doing this but my high of the week I would say is seeing Bambino you guys know I have a dog Bambino and a lot of people ask is he my dog is he the family dog he's pretty much the family dog I purchased him I got him it was my idea to get a dog but at the time I was living at home my family obviously had to approve I couldn't just show up with a dog or else I think they would kill me so I, I like begged my parents I was like please like let's get another puppy um and so they're like okay it'll be your dog then like if we get another puppy and now they're so freaking in love with him and I, I can't blame him because he's the cutest thing ever so highlight of my week is definitely seeing Bambino I mean he is just like I cry when I think of him. I get so excited to cuddle with him. He is my child. He is my baby. I am so obsessed with him. And I'm just, I, it's by far the highlight of my week. When I got home today, I spent like a full hour just like playing with him, cuddling with him, like petting him, rubbing his belly, like doing all of that stuff, like playing outside with him. And he's just, he's just the cutest thing. So that is by far the highlight of my week is seeing him because I love him so much. And then for my low, I would say my low of the week, I have two. So I'm going to share two lows. One of the lows is the turbulence on the plane. And I know I sound like a baby <laughs> saying that, but I am not kidding. When I was on the plane this week, I thought the plane was going to fall out of the sky. I am such a baby with turbulence. When it comes to turbulence, I'm just like, this is, we're in the sky. There's nothing supporting us. Why can't we fall out of the sky? And I know, I know that there is so much that goes into it. And I don't understand airplanes that much, but I know that they are very, 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 very safe. But I still feel like I'm going to fall out of the sky when I am on an airplane and it moves and the turbulence was so bad. It was, it was one of those like so bad turbulence that I was holding my mom's hand next to me. And I'm not afraid to admit that because I was so terrified. So that was my low because it scares the crap out of me. I measured my heart rate um, as it was like happening because I could see tell that like my heart was racing and I was like breathing so heavy and my heart rate was at 113, which normally it is not that high. So it definitely raised my heart rate up. Uh, it was so scary. So that was definitely one of my lows. And then the other low for me would be that 
I went to the house today and it's almost done, which I'm so happy about. And it looks so good. But there is a little bit of a mishap. So there is some wrong tile. If you didn't know, I am renovating a house right now and I'm flipping it. So there was a little bit of a mess up. And so that's just an annoying thing that I now have to deal with. But it's no big deal. But that I guess that would definitely categorize a low for me. I update everyone on my house stuff on YouTube, but I'm going to do a whole dedicated episode on renovating a house, and I think it's going to be so useful, so I really, really can't wait to do that. And if you have any questions, you can always DM me and stay tuned on the Real Real Podcast for when I open it up to questions. But that would be my high and low of the week this week, and I just, I'm just i feeling very grateful though that I'm here. I'm back in Charlotte. I definitely appreciate coming home more now that I am not living at home and just seeing Bambino. I love him so much, and I want to take him with me to the apartment but I feel so cruel doing that because I am working like at my desk for so long and I feel like two walks a day is not enough for him because he's such an active dog we have a pretty big backyard here and he will run laps he is outside all day long even if it's just like sitting out in the grass I just feel so mean taking him taking him from that and like my parents love him my family loves him he's never ever ever by himself because there's always someone home so I don't know where I I think until I get at home, I probably won't take him with me just because I would feel so mean doing that to him. But he's very, very happy here. He's he's a very, very active dog. So it's all good. But anyways, (laughs) that was my high and low of the week. Um, I'd love to hear what yours is as well. And now let's get into the episode. So this week I interviewed Kaylin Marcotte. She is the CEO and founder of Jiggy Puzzles. And who knew puzzles could be so interesting? After speaking with Kaylin today, I went to my closet, found an old puzzle and made myself some tea and just zoned out with a puzzle. I'm actually not kidding. I really did that. Her like talking about puzzles made me want to get one. Like I was like, okay. I, I need to try this because she was like, it's it's a good way to meditate. So I was like, okay, let me let me just try. So I just put on some TV and then did a puzzle. And it was honestly very nice. But I feel like it would have been a lot nicer if I had a jiggy puzzle. So I'm definitely going to be ordering one. And also, it is such a good gift idea. I already have so many people in mind that I'm going to be giving this as a gift to. And it just began to make sense to me why people use puzzles as a way of relaxing. I felt very proud of myself. I felt peaceful, but then I just put it all away. So it wasn't as satisfying as like the jiggy puzzles, which you'll be able to see. You can save them, you can glue them, and they are literal pieces of art. Jiggy Puzzles is so unique because it is one female owned, but it's also female artists that make these beautiful pieces and then you get to put them together in a puzzle. And then instead of just throwing away or putting it back in the box and redoing it later, you actually get to glue it and put it in a frame and hang it on your wall, which I think is absolutely genius. And it's one of those companies where you're like, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) You know, she's just such an inspiring entrepreneur that reshaped the puzzle industry, which who knew that the puzzle industry needed to be shaken up a bit, but she did and she is succeeding. So not only is Jiggy one of my favorite company names, because how cute and creative is that name, but the artwork is absolutely stunning. And I love that she supports other artists and local artists as well, because she actually does give a portion of all of the proceeds and all of the sales to the artists that she commissioning from. So I just, I think it's absolutely genius. And it's also giving back to people that were really severely impacted during COVID. Not only is the process relaxing and satisfying, but you actually have something to hang and be proud of at the end, which is honestly one of the best parts about Jiggy. I'm not going to lie. It is amazing. 
In this episode, Kaylin and I dive into how a digital detox led to a brilliant idea, the thriving and inspiring puzzle community, which I did not know existed, what it's like to be on the one and only Shark Tank, one of my favorite shows, and how she elevated and modernized an outdated product. That to me is so fascinating. Now I'm thinking about everything that's outdated and I'm like, hmm, what else? Like I'm thinking like board games maybe. I feel like so many people make board games. I've had the founders of Bala Bangles on where they created like really trendy workout ankle weights, which ankle weights is something that I don't think has seen a transformation since the 80s. And then here they come disrupting the industry. So I think it's cool. It makes me think what else needs to be disrupted? I'd love to know what you guys think. Maybe you guys can create the next Jiggy or the next Bala Bangles. But anyways, I am so excited for you to hear this conversation with Kaylin and to hear us chat about how she created this amazing community and this amazing company. And I know that you guys are going to love it. So let's get into the episode with Kaylin. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream, it is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to four 
450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Hi, Kaylin. Thanks so much for coming on my podcast. Hi, Natalie. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. I'm really excited to be here. I spent all yesterday kind of going through jiggy puzzles and looking at all of your different designs, looking at all the different art that's displayed. And I love it. I actually just texted my boyfriend. I was like, I have a perfect gift for your sister and your mom. I was like, look up Jiggy Puzzles. I was like, we need to get them this at one point. Like Mother's Day just passed, but maybe a belated Mother's Day gift. Yes, Mother's Day, birthday, date night for you guys. I love seeing people take them as a, a date night activity too. Yeah, I mean, I'm about to order one. Like after this podcast, I'm like getting ready to (laughs) order myself a bunch. But before we get into the topics, I want to start off with setting the record straight. And this is just where we say some assumptions and some stereotypes, and then you'll let me know if they're true or false based on your own experience. So the first one is that you need investors to scale a business. Not true. I have bootstrapped the entire company. Yeah, I think that's incredible. Like, that's always so inspiring to me to see another founder that bootstraps, but not only a founder, but a female founder that is bootstrapping her own company. That's awesome. Yeah. My kind of background is I was at a startup before this and we did go the venture route. And I think there are, you know, pros and cons and there are absolutely business models and industries where, you know, it makes a ton of sense. But especially for a consumer brand. And if you can be really smart about cash flow and, you know, creative with how you make it work, I've really enjoyed being able to do it my way and not, not necessarily having to take like the, the VC backed hyper growth track and have a little more control over how I want to run the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Like, especially just getting the so far without taking venture money is something that so many founders feel like it's impossible to do, but it's clearly not. So I really love that. And the next one is there are not enough female founders. I think that's globally true for sure. You know, I feel so lucky that I've really found a community of, of us and fellow female founders here in New York. And I grew up in Los Angeles and there's really um, a growing kind of tech and entrepreneur scene there. And in my day to day, you'd never know the the reality of the numbers because I think there's such community and, and the female founders I know were so collaborative and want to support each other, but, you know, certainly, you know, industry-wide and, and kind of nationally, the numbers speak for themselves. And so that's, I think, helping each other, lifting each other up, sharing resources, people who have ideas and, and however we can encourage them. I'm hopeful that we're trending in the right direction, at least. Yeah, I, I agree. I think now there's been more females that are starting businesses, which is really inspiring. And also, I think the community is there more. Like in the past, it might have felt like you were alone, 
I'm a part of actually this um, group that meets up every month. That's a bunch of female founders that we like chat on Zoom, you know, and like that's been something really nice that I feel like a a while ago we might not have had that. It's growing more and it's becoming more community oriented, which is awesome. Yes, I totally agree. It's great to see. Yeah. And the next one is it's hard to start a business without co-founders. Ooh, yes, it's true. (laughs) I I just hired myself a coach because I was like, I need someone who the types of conversations I imagine you would have with a co-founder, even just like, is this a good idea? Am I crazy? Is this going to work? You know, just riding the highs and lows that are inevitable in, in starting a company. Some days I'm like, this would be really nice to do with someone and certainly just, you know, divide and conquer and having two people and and sets of expertise and bandwidth. But also, you know, I think that's if you have a great co-founder, I will say I've Mm -hmm. seen friends and other examples where if it's not the right fit, then so much of the time and energy just working on, you know, how to co-manage and the co-founder relationship and can be a real distraction from growing the business itself. So I think it really depends on the fit. You know, I just went for it and and doing it solo, but um, there are certainly days where I'm like, it would be fun to do this with someone. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like it's also a lot like you were saying, like the back and forth, like you spend a lot of time probably by yourself or there's not that like bounce board, I guess, you know, where you can just like shout ideas and like brain dumping and stuff like that. So I feel like that's definitely could be difficult with being a solo founder and holding each other accountable and some, you know, I it's, it's just me. So like, if I, you know, let the to-do list grow or push things, ultimately, it's just, I really have to be vigilant about my time and holding myself accountable. And sometimes even just having another person sitting next to you as you're doing the same things, but just that company and accountability. So yeah, I think pros and cons, but I certainly see, I see why people do it together now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, what were you doing before you started Jiggy? So what was your life like before you ventured in this entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, so I have kind of stumbled my way into this. I was a poli-sci major in college. I was pre-law, wanted to go to law school. I hadn't taken the LSAT yet. So after I graduated, I decided to do management consulting while I was studying for the LSAT to get some experience, I thought it was, you know, client facing analytical. It would be kind of an interesting first jump into just my career and, and potentially set up for a legal career. I ended up being there just a couple of years. And then I met uh, Carly and Danielle, who were the co-founders of the skim. And so they launched the daily email newsletter of the skim in 2012. I met them in 2013. And they did go the venture route and they had just raised their seed round. So when I connected with them, they, you know, were just to just raise a little bit of money. We're starting to think about what growth and scale and building a team would look like. So I had coffee with them in the West Village and we just kind of shared vision and ideas. And I just walked away from that knowing that it was something I wanted to be a part of. So I joined them as their first employee at the skim in end of 2013. And then I spent four years there. So that kind of set me on this path. I don't think I, you know, I, I wasn't always like, I need to be a founder or an entrepreneur. I always had a 
ideas and visions. And there are things that, you know, I, I would be excited to bring into the world. But my experience at the skim and working for Carly and Danielle and seeing these two young female founders, you know, carve out their path and those early days that are just so like scrappy and creative and you have a ton of ownership and that kind of paved the way for me to, you know, have this idea, see the opportunity and feel confident really diving in and doing it myself. Yeah. I mean, I think working at a startup, you probably get so much hands-on experience because it's a lean team. I used to work in consulting as well. So I work for Accenture and it's so much different when you're working for a huge corporation because I don't know about you, but I felt like I was just like a number there. You know, it's like, yeah, you have your team that you work with daily, but in terms of the the company, I mean, it was, I was like one of what, 400,000 employees that they have all over the world. So I think working at a startup, you get that like hands-on experience and like you're actually making a difference in it. Right. Yeah. That's probably the biggest both kind of learning curve. And also just, I think once you have a taste of that, like it's so addicting to, you know, versus a big company to your point where like you have a role, you have a scope of your role, you know, you have your function, there are kind of, you know, boundaries around it. This is what you do versus just the wide open space of a startup and tiny teams and wearing every hat and flexing high and setting strategy and low and, you know, cleaning up the office and just really doing it all and feeling so much ownership over it, you know, and that's certainly something I feel now when things are going great. I'm like, no one else did this. Like, I, great. Pat on the back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much fulfillment when things aren't, you're like, nobody did this either. Except, so like, what can I learn from this and how do I turn it around and what could I do better? So yeah, that level of ownership and responsibility and just the the pace of creativity, I think is really addicting. You have an idea, you're like, let's try it, you know, like truly no red tape. Let's try it. See what works. Oh, kind of worked. Let's iterate, try it again. And, and I think that once you've kind of had a taste, I'm not sure how I could go back. (laughs) I know. I know. I feel the same with like, working for yourself versus like working for a company like it's so different also than going that direction where you're like like yeah I could go back to work for a company if I absolutely needed to but like I do not want to like that is just not something I ever have the desire to do I feel like you have to be self-motivated but it's so rewarding that I will gladly be self-motivated and like hold myself accountable and all of that then go back to work to for someone else so I completely feel that and did you come up with Jiggy when you were at the skim yeah. So it was during those first couple of years that were, you know, I was there from seed through like a year post series B. So it was just the, the hyper growth, growing the team, you know, growing the audience and, and new product. And it was really meaty and fast paced and crazy busy, really high expectations for ourselves and each other. And so Uh, it was stressful and it was, you know, all behind screens all day long. I did our social. So I was on either my phone or computer all day. And then I'd come home and like turn on the TV to try to unwind. And I was like, wait, this is just like more of the same, you know, more screen time. So I was starting to think about just what 
you know, what my kind of form of meditation, I tried traditional meditation. It didn't totally kind of land with me and, you know, yoga. And at the time it was kind of the first wave of people talking about like self-care and burnout and digital detox and all of that. So I kind of just started that journey and thinking about what that would mean to me. And I did a puzzle and this was like 20 end of 2014. 2015. And it clicked immediately. I found it so meditative and relaxing and stress relieving. And it was the only thing that actually made me forget my phone. I would not even think to check the pings and stimulation coming in. I totally disconnected. And now I have to be careful because it will like suck me in. So (laughs) for hours I start one and like the, you know, the day flies by. But yeah, I started doing puzzles during those early skim days really as my kind of unwind self-care and just started doing them all the time. I was going through like a thousand piece puzzle every week almost and um, constantly buying more, looking for more online. And all the ones I could find were like, you know, like your grandma's puzzles, like, you know, old school, a little cheesy. Every single one came in that same cardboard box with the plastic bag with the pieces. And why can't these look better? And why has no one done this? And, you know, there was, we were seeing a lot of kind of these direct consumer, like millennial brands and very elevated and kind of taking a new take on, on, you know, an old idea. And so that's really where it all started. I mean, I love how it came from like you just working on them. And I think I can totally relate because I am not the biggest puzzle person, but whenever I do puzzles, they're so old. We've had them in our like bookcase since, I don't know, like 1995. I feel like, like it's been like forever since this puzzle has been used. And then you just kind of tear it up and put it back in the box like I feel like that's what we did we we've hung up a few puzzles but not many of them so I love that your idea came from that yeah exactly and so the the two biggest things for me were one the the puzzle experience itself when you know you are studying every detail every literally every piece of this image and so one I was like wouldn't this just be a more enjoyable experience of putting the puzzle together if you actually connected with the art or enjoyed the art and you know enjoyed what you were looking at and then you know kind of the second point is as you said then you're done with it and like then you have this you know essentially art print that's you know 27 24 inches and what do you do with it you just spent all this time you know hopefully you're proud of your work but what are you going to do with it so the idea for Jiggy was to use real art and to work with emerging artists around the world and turn their artwork into the puzzle designs. And so not only is the experience of putting the puzzle together now connecting you with this piece of art, but then once you're done, we include a tube of puzzle glue. So you can, it essentially goes right on the top. It binds the pieces together and, you know, makes it easy to keep and frame and hang. So yeah, those are kind of my two like pain points, if you will, that, um, that I sought to, to fix with Jiggy. Yeah. And when you had this like light bulb moment or this idea, when did you start to work on it? Was it like an immediate, like, oh my God, I need to make this. Or was it kind of like just lingering in your mind for a while? Yeah, it was a bit of a slower kind of burn. I, you know, was just thinking about like, 
can I make puzzles better? What would that look like? You know, why can't there be a more elevated, more modern version of this? Pretty quickly, once I started doing them, so like 2015, 2016, I started a folder, like an iPhotos folder on my phone and just named it Puzzle Art. And anytime I was like on Instagram or at a show or gallery and saw art that I thought would be fun to puzzle, you know, a lot of detail or color layers. I would just take a a picture of it and put it in this folder. So I was slowly starting to kind of think on the idea, have it take form. Um, But I ultimately stayed at the skim through 2017. Was really proud of my work there. We'd grown the team. So I knew that the projects I was working on would continue after my leaving and felt really confident with where the skim was at to, to leave and dive into this, um, that I actually started working on it. So there were a couple of years that I was just, um, kind of letting it take more and more shape and starting to do, you know, thinking on a name and collecting the art before I fully, you know, jumped in full time. When did you fully jump in? 2018. So 2018, I really started incorporating trademarking, getting the website, putting together the the actual collection of artists that we were going to launch with, developing the product, trying to find a factory. Um, and then we launched in 2019. Wow. So really recently, I would say, I know that it's technically three years ago, but that does not feel like three years ago. I feel like it sounds more like last year, like <laughs> 2019. 2020 was a blur. So <laughs> it was such a blur. Two years ago. Sorry. I'm, my math is wrong. Yeah, ultimately, I mean, we launched November 2019. So I guess it's been, it's been about a year and a half uh, live. We had four months in business pre-COVID. And honestly, since then, it's been a, a total whirlwind. I barely remember half of the last year. Yeah. How was COVID for your business? Because I feel like it's something that people do in their homes. They don't need to communicate with anyone. You know, it's not something that like you have your friends over to do this. So I'm assuming it probably did well during COVID. Yeah. So it was, it was quite a journey. On the one hand, you're totally right. You know, people were stuck at home looking for activities. There also are very stressful leaving and there, you know, there are studies connecting puzzles to improve sleep and memory and stress relief. They even use them in some studies with PTSD patients. So with just the circumstances and kind of this collective anxiety we were all having last year and, you know, literally just being stuck inside, puzzles were kind of the perfect activity. So demand increased for sure. But at the same time, you know, the kind of global circumstances around supply chains and freight and, you know, materials and all of that, it really impacted our manufacturing and our ability to, to, you know, get inventory in a timely manner. So it was both this major increase in demand and sales paired with, you know, these real challenges around keeping stock and, and manufacturing quickly. So you know, some silver linings, a lot of challenges. Um, but ultimately we were able to, you know, restock quickly enough and, and really just heard amazing feedback from people who 
you know, some were quarantining alone and, you know, mm-hmm. felt so isolated, really lonely. And, you know, one woman wrote in, like, she's like, if I can't sleep or something, I, you know, work on my puzzle. Um, we did see people actually order the same, all like a friend group ordered all the same puzzle and then got on zoom and like had a puzzle party, you know, over zoom while they were all working on the same one. Um, so it was, and, you know, we do profit sharing with our artists. So they get a percentage of every sale. So while, you know, there was, there was so much kind of hardship and uncertainty for a lot of artists financially, we were actually able to, you know, continue selling a product and giving back to them. Um, so it ultimately ended up being very fulfilling and, and, you know, we had a product that really connected with, with the time and what people were looking for, but it was just an all out sprint. Yeah, I feel like that's such a whirlwind because you just started and then <laughs> you now have to deal with all of this and you're by yourself, you know, like it's, you're the one running all of it. So it's it's wild. Did you have anyone else on your team? I didn't at the time. I ended up bringing on my first like freelancer, part-timer who was kind of just everything, like Jill of all trades and, you know, was just jumped in wherever we needed to like plug the gap here, plug here, jump over here. So yeah, Jess is her name. And so we, we really just worked side by side to jump on whatever, you know, need or opportunity we had, but, you know, to your point, we had only launched a few months before. And so we were still kind of just figuring things out for the first time. And luckily we had just onboarded with like a warehouse and fulfillment center. So I wasn't literally shipping out of my living room, but you know, we were, we were very much still kind of working out the kinks for the first time. And then all of a sudden it was a moving target and, and everything was changing overnight. So Mm -hmm. it was definitely a, you know, a lot of things I think on, on this journey of being a founder are just kind of trial by fire. And like, you know, you build the wings on your way down once you've made the jump. But uh, the last year, especially that was the case. Yeah, I can't even imagine. And like you said, the demand did go up. But was there anything you used to like, market it to get the word out? Or like, how did people find what Jiggy was? Yeah, so we launched end of the year before. So we'd gone right into holidays. So that was helpful for just, you know, gift guides, product lists, stuff like that, um, to kind of just get on the map right off the bat. And then, um, really it just grew organically over the last year. Of course we, you know, have our own social media. I think there are these like built-in moments that our community shares, you know, so like just kind of the ripple word of mouth effect and, user-generated content, you know, people get it and the packaging isn't like any puzzle you've seen before. So a lot of people, you know, kind of post the unboxing. And then when you're working on the puzzle, you kind of show your progress and then you're done and you're proud of yourself and want to show it off at the end. So a lot of kind of just word of mouth and sharing um, and social kind of buzz. And then, you know, have continued to like pitch media and press, uh, worked with some influencers and celebrities. We actually did a fundraising campaign at the start of COVID, um, supporting artists who were out of work. And we partnered with Lily Reinhart and Sophia Bush, Allison Williams and Demi Lovato all did a, a custom puzzle for us for that fundraiser. So some kind of bigger moments like that. 
And yeah, I think really, and you know, of course our artists, they share the puzzle that they created with us. Um, so a lot of just kind of grassroots community-based sharing and word of mouth. I love that. I feel like that's the best way to grow a company because they're very loyal. You know, like I feel like your community is going to buy another puzzle from you and they're going to continue to support it and they're going to give it as gifts and they're going to share it to their followers. And I think it's cool that because it's art and people are hanging it up on their walls, like anyone that walks into someone's house can be like, oh, where'd you get that? Or what's that? You know, so it's a conversation starter also, which is genius, I think. Exactly, exactly. And it's funny because from far away, you can't really tell what it, and then you get closer and you like see the pieces and yeah, there's, it's been very fun to see people kind of share it and to build that relationship with the artist. There's something so intimate about constructing their art, you know, piece by piece and really seeing mm-hmm. You know, it is addicting. So we also see not only, of course, we're focused on just continuing to grow and and reach more and more people, but we also have a strong kind of repeat behavior and our community, you know, once you finish one, you want to dive into to another. So we actually launched a subscription model. So it's a monthly puzzle club and you get a puzzle every month and we're all working on the same one together and it's by a different artist and they'll come do like a studio tour. So yeah, we, we see, we're definitely focused on, on just growth overall, but also kind of building that ritual with our community. Yeah. And was that intentional in the beginning to create a community around Jiggy or like, did it just kind of happen by people sharing it? I think it just came so naturally to me. So when I was at the skim, I really focused on community building and, and growth and kind of branding and community around the brand. So I launched our skim ambassador program, which was our brand ambassadors. And that was kind of a big community program that we did, but yeah, right out of the gate, you know, given we were, we were building both communities of our, you know, our customers, our puzzlers, and then of our artists also. And so really being intentional and trying to build both of those communities in a very organic, engaging way was was definitely a focus right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And this is a little aside from community and like what Jiggy is, but I'm so curious, how did you come up with the name? Because I feel like the name is so creative. I love it. Was that like a light bulb moment for you or? Yeah, thank you. You know, I understanding kind of branding and marketing generally, I knew like I really wanted it to be the right name. And I wanted something that was both, you know, like playful and fun at the end of the day, like it's a puzzle, you know, it's art. It's, I wanted it to be engaging and playful, but also, you know, like memorable. And, and I wanted it to to click. Like if you, once you know what the product is, like it made sense. I didn't want it to just kind of be random or, um, or just kind of like goofy, but not connect to puzzles. So I had, you know, Google docs of potential names and, um, went back and forth on it a lot. And then ultimately I think it was, you know, that kind of just slow, slow burn kind of wheels are turning. And then, and then it was a light bulb. I was on a walk in the West village with a friend and, you know, I was like bouncing. It was like, you know, like 
jigsaw something like that but like fun and rolls off the tongue and it just came out I was like done that's it (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love it I think it's such a creative name and it's it's very fun and playful like you said yeah thank you I've heard that from a couple other people that you know all this kind of laborious like you know branding 101 name and then it'll just it'll come and you'll know yeah yeah And you were recently also on Shark Tank, which I think is really cool. It's a very popular show. What was that experience like going on there? Yeah, that was another whirlwind. It was so much fun. I, you know, you watch it and I wasn't sure. I'm like, oof, this looks like, is this going to be scary? How nervous am I going to be? And one, I just did a ton of work and really prepared. And it was actually very helpful also is just kind of a forcing function to really understand the business and ask those, you know, big questions and what is the vision and what are my numbers that I need to have, you know, down pat because I am a solo founder. I didn't take on investment. So, you know, I didn't really have to like answer to anyone or report things to anyone. So it was a really good exercise to just get ready for the, for the show and, um, and do all of that homework. And then going into it, you know, it, it, it looks exactly like you, you know, the doors open and you walk down this hallway and it certainly is a little nerve wracking, but they actually do a great job of kind of like camouflaging the cameras and they blend into the set. So it doesn't feel like super invasive mm-hmm. with this And so you're actually able to really just kind of get into a conversation. You know, you're in there. I think the average is like an hour to like an hour and a half. And they, of course, edited it. I think mine was like eight, nine minutes. But, you know, you have the time and space to really um, get into detail and take everyone's questions and, you know, share stories that you want to. So it, in a very nice way, it felt much more conversational and, you know, kind of casual than I was expecting. Um, of course, you know, you never know what they're going to edit and you need to be on. And, um, and it was just a ton, a ton of adrenaline, but I'm really happy I did it. It was great to just share the story. I think, you know, yes, you need to prepare, but ultimately I just got to the point where I was like, I've done literally everything of this business. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing I don't know. And if I can just go out there and share my excitement for it and what our mission is and how we're, you know, bringing puzzle joy and supporting artists and really just, just share the story. That was kind of my goal. And so it was really, really fun to be able to do that. That's so exciting. And I feel like it's, it probably gave you a huge platform where people that didn't hear about you now know about you. Did you see a spike in sales after the episode aired? Yeah, definitely. So it aired in April, which generally like late spring into summer, you know, things are warming up, like not what you would think of as like peak puzzle time, but it drove a ton of traffic and sales and certainly brought people into the the community and the brand for future too. So it was a great kind of big moment of both immediate sales, but also kind of, you know, that, that lead gen that now we have their email and they're kind of in our circle. And so can continue, you know, sharing with launching new product and, and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like it, that experience is really invaluable and you probably like learned so much, even just from 
preparing on there, but also after the fact, like all the people that came to you, I think it's probably like a, a huge spike or at least now brand recognition and stuff like that. And you can say that you were on Shark Tank, which is cool. So, <laughs> and you are a solopreneur and I know you mentioned that you did have a coach that you recently hired, but did you have any other mentors along the way to kind of like help you out in this process or I feel like it's it's so much work doing everything on your own. And I mean, you know that more than anyone. But did you have anyone that you would consider like a mentor in your life? Yeah, there have been many kind of over the years and especially for Jiggy. I think there are a couple different aspects of the business that I've looked for mentorship and and putting together. I haven't put together like a formal advisory board yet, but kind of have those go-to people that I call. So certainly around just kind of branding and uh, marketing and building that community. Carly and Danielle from The Scam are still, they've been so supportive of Jiggy and just of me and my growth. And so they're, they're geniuses when it comes to, to branding and content and um, all of that. So they're kind of my go-to calls there. And then I have like two to three other founders on kind of the consumer, the brand, the, you know, product side. So like, tell me about like three PLs and fulfillment centers and what are the right questions to ask? And, you know, I think there are things that I know I don't know. And then there are the things I don't even know that I don't know. And so yeah. there's people who have been through it, who, you know, again, know the right questions to ask, know what to look out for. And so, yeah, making the transition from kind of content, media services to, you know, physical product that you have to make and get from A to B and customer service and all of that, um, that has been a very steep learning curve. So, so it was really important to kind of help uh, raise my hand when I needed some support. Yeah, I feel like when you start a business, it's one of those things, like you said, where you don't even know what you don't know. Like, where do you even start? For me, always, like, whenever I have someone on my podcast that has started a business, I always love to ask, like, what was your first step? And you decided you started, you wanted to start this business. And then, like, what do you do from there? Like, what's, like, the the first step? Do you first immediately contact manufacturers? Do you start, like, trying to do it on your own? I feel like in now that you've, your business has been running for around two years now, it's like, you can kind of skim over it. But for people that are kind of looking to start a business, I think that's something that's always really intimidating is like taking that first step, taking that first leap into actually starting. And so what was your first step when you started Jiggy? Like the very first thing you did when you decided you were going to make this into a company? Yeah, it's so true. I think the, yeah, taking that first, just step over the line. And then, yeah, (laughs) I mean, beyond literally just starting that folder on my phone and starting to collect art when I actually, you know, said to myself, like I'm diving in. First thing I did was incorporate and just make sure, you know, I had the LLC and I could open a bank account for it and, and do that. And then once, and with the name, you know, uh, got the domain for the website and, you know, parked the the handles on all social media and, you know, really just kind of the homework of making sure that I had the accounts, had the trademark uh, filed, had the LLC incorporated, and then it was manufacturing because I knew like this is going to be a process and this is going to be, you know, probably the, the longest thing and things that are out of my control. I think there's one thing about a 
you know, content, even the skim, it, it was hugely time sensitive. It went out every day, but like, if we have to, you pull an all nighter and like, it's still within your control to make sure that, you know, the product delivers every morning versus a factory where like, you know, they tell me this is the timeline or something goes wrong. And like, that is entirely outside of my control. So that was kind of, once I had just the homework done of, of the, the kind of infrastructure, getting the right manufacturing partner was step two and, and did take quite a while. Yeah. I mean, I love hearing that. And I think that probably gives a lot of people listening to this, a lot of good advice on like, it's, it's okay to like not know everything in the beginning. You're probably actually, you're definitely not going to know everything in the beginning. (laughs) You just have to make that first step. (laughs) Yes. A hundred percent. You're, you're never going to know everything. And I've heard someone, someone recently equated it's like pregnancy or something. Like there's never a good time. You're never going to feel like ready if you can feel like 80 90 like great that's probably as you know ready as you're gonna feel and you really don't know you know what what you're gonna come up against or or you know one day it's this one day it's that I think the constant reprioritization um is definitely something that I've just had to get better out of constantly taking kind of account of like okay now now what needs to be done today versus what's you know, that matrix, if you've seen of like important and urgent and like, where are mm-hmm. we today? What's important? What's urgent? And as much of the day-to-day and getting stuck in the weeds happens, you know, really being sure to also carve out space to get above, you know, protect some space to just think, just to, you know, be brainstorm, big picture. Cause there are endless things you could just be doing to check off the list, but um, ultimately, you know, what's, innovate or die, you know, constantly have to be, uh, have to be thinking about what's next. So I think that balance of, of just day-to-day execution, and then also getting above it all to continue being strategic is a really important thing to learn. Yeah. I, I love that advice. I think it's so valuable to anyone listening and even to myself, it's super valuable. And before we go, I wanted to dive into a segment called Feels Over Reels. And this is just where you say anything that you might be grateful for or any gratitude or anything good that happened this week, something that's kind of a good a good moment for the week or sometime that happened recently. Yeah. So I just got back to New York full time, which has been great for a lot of the last year during quarantine. I spent it in California with my family and more space and, and working from there. But I just got back to New York and it is warming up and opening up. And, um, you know, there was just like jazz players on the street, which happens all the time, but it just like, it hits different now, you know? Yeah. Having those moments of just like stopping and being like, yeah, like this is my, this is my city. I've been here 13 years now. And so like, this is, this is my place. These are my people. This is where I'm meant to be. And just having that like really settled kind of gut feeling of like, I'm in the right place and I'm on the right track and there's so much stress day to day, but like big picture, like I'm moving I'm moving in the directions I need to be. So, you know, just walking around the park in the West Side Highway, I've had a few moments over the past week of just feeling very grounded to be back in in New York and just pushing Jiggy forward and and feeling really fulfilled in that. 
Yeah, I love that. And you're making me miss New York um, <laughs> because I was I lived there for a year and then chose to move out during COVID and I still haven't been back. But I miss those walks so much because I used to live um, in the West Village. So right in the West Village, I would always go on the West Side Highway and it was just so beautiful. Like I would work out at the park over there, like where people work out outside and you're making me miss it. You're <laughs> You got to come visit. We'll get drinks and go for a walk. Yes, that'd be awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kaylin, for coming on my podcast. Where can they find you and Jiggy? Yeah, so Jiggy is jiggypuzzles.com, all handles, Jiggy Puzzles. And then I'm Kaylin Marcotte. And I'm in all the accounts for Jiggy or or personally. So yeah, Kaylin Marcotte or Jiggy Puzzles. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.